Hopefully everybody had a beautiful and uplifting Yom Tiv. And we have the great Tzchos today, Baruch Hashem, to begin a brand new parak in Masechus Really, a couple of really exciting blocks ahead of us in this last week. We're heading into our last week of Ksuvis. Merit Hashem, a week from tomorrow, I believe a week from tomorrow, is the completion of the Masechta. Begin by thanking all of our sponsors. To thank our Tamatora sponsors for the month of Tishrei. Dr. Linda Weinberg, Sarah Ricky Gratz, Julia, Rina, and Eve, a loving memory of their husband, father, and Zayda. Dr. Paul Weinberg, Peretz, Moshe Ben Avram, David. Ayala and Sarah Steinberg, and the Schuss of Rafur Shleimer for Shulamis Basusha. Adam and Yudi Ben Zev, and the Schuss of all of our Tfilos being Niskabel. And uh, my Mishpach and myself in the dedicating the Shir today, the Dafiomi Shir today, in the Schuss of Aliyah for the Neshama of our grandfather, whose yard site is today. Menachem Mendel ben Levi David Akoim. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, all of the Neshamas will have an Aliyah. All of the families in the and all those who require a refuah should have one together with Kol Chole Yisrael. It was with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Kof Hey 105. We are picking up on the bottom of Kof Talanamad Bey's 104b at the Mishnah. Fascinating sugi ahead of us today. Shnei Dayonik Xeros Hayi There are two judges who used to judge Xeros. I'm say Xeros literally means decrees. They would go ahead and they would adjudicate decrees in Yerushalayim. We'll see exactly what that means. Who were these judges? Admon Vechanan ben Avishalom. One of them was named Admon, and the second was, none, was known as Hanan ben Avishalom. Why is this being mentioned over here? Hanan Omer Shnei Dvarim. Hanan said two things. Admon Omer Shiva. Admon said seven things. They both said they probably said many more than two things and seven things respectively. The idea being that these are the rulings that our Mishnah is going to discuss. So Ad said, what, what, so what, 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 what are amongst the things they said? So Mishahalach l'medinas hayam. So we'll say, this is why this is Mishahas Let's say a man went overseas. Now, by the way, I'll just point out over here that Rashi says, that Hanan said two things that the Chachamim did not agree with. So he said many things. But two things that the Chacham didn't agree with. So what's one of the cases? Here we go. Misha Halach Medina Sayan. Someone went overseas. Man went overseas. The Ishto Tovaas Mizonos. His wife comes to court because she needs Mizonos. Right? In other words, he left, he left, and he forgot to leave her Mizonos. It happens. He was in a rush, right? He's got somewhere to be, flight to catch. So she comes to Basin. She says, I have no form of support. I have no form of support. So what's the so Hanan says, she does not, so let's see, she doesn't have to take a shvua, she doesn't need to take an oath before collecting mizonos. Remember again, what would be the point of the oath? The point of the oath would be out of concern that maybe he did leave her something. She's claiming she has no mizonos. He's not here to potentially counterclaim. So you might have thought, that she should be required to take a shvua before Bezdin liquidates any part of the estate for her mazonos. Kamash Malan, Hanan says that the only time a woman ever has to take a shvua is when? When collecting her ksuva. If she wants to collect her ksuva and her husband is not there, which is very often the case because he died. In other words, that's when you collect the ksuva or upon divorce. But Lamaisa, again, only when she's going to collect the ksuba after the death of her husband does she have to take a shavuah. But halacha lamaisa for mizonos, she does not have to take a shavuah. Nech l'ko'alav b'nei kohanim gidolim. 
the sons of the Kohanim Gidolim disagreed with this statement. And they passed that no, in this type of situation where the husband is not present, a woman has to take a shvua before collecting mizonos, and she also has to take a shvua ultimately when she comes to collect her ksuva. Rabbi Dosa ben Herkinus paskins like the Chachamim, namely that she has to take a shvua even for mizonos. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai disagreed. He held like Hanan, namely that a shvua is only required for ksuva collection. A ksuva is not required for mizonos collection. Okay, Shabbosai, so this is our first fundamental machlokas. Also, I'll just point out something amazing. You know, sometimes we look at the Gemara, right, and we see all of these different names of Tanaim and Amoraim. And we think, wow, it's like a vast sea of people. What's fascinating about a Mishnah like this is that there were thousands upon thousands of other, probably tens of thousands of other Tamdi Chachamim who were great, who were great, but weren't Tanoim and Amoraim. Again, it's just to point out like the greatness of Kalali Sosi. Here you have, you have these Dayanim. Who, who's ever heard of these people? Who's, I mean, now we've heard of them because they're a Mishnah in Ksuvis. But Lamaisa, but Lamaisa, they're being called Naratana, not Namora. But great people, nevertheless, it's an important episode. Even if people don't know your name, does you know, or I should say popularity or, or publicity is not the metric of success, right? The metric of success is knowing that you're making a difference in life day in and day out. People may know your name, people may not know your name. That's not the litmus test. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Ramini, Gemara raises the Kasha. Nothing to do with the Psak of the Mishnah. So I'll say, the Machlokis over here is the fundamental Machlokis. Husband is overseas, woman needs mizonos. She comes to Basin to collect mizonos. Does she need a shavua or not? So Hanan Paskind, no. Bnei Kohanim Gidolim, yes. Rabbi Dosa ben Harkinus, like Bnei Chacham Gidolim. And Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai, like Hanan. Okay, so that's, that's our machlokas, fine. Or meaning, Maria Zakasha, Shlosh Tadarnik Zeal Sebishalayim. So let's listen to this. The Braisa. The Braisa says, there were three Dayanim, who paskin regarding gazelos, matters of theft in Yerushalayim. Who were the three Dayanim? Admon ben Gidai, Hanan HaMitzri, Vichanan ben Avishalom. So we'll say there are th- two questions now. Number one, Kasha Tlasa train. We'll say here's problem number one. Our Mishnah said there were two Dayanim in Yerushalayim. This, this price says that what? There were three Dayanim in Yerushalayim. Number, question number two, Kasha Gzeros Agzelos. In our Mishnah, it says that the judges, the two judges, judged Dine Gizeros. Remember again, what does Gzera mean? What does Gzera mean? A decree. The Bryce here says, what do they, what do they adjudicate? Gzelos, theft. So the Gemara says, so how do you reconcile this? To which the Gemara says, So the fact that our Mishnah recorded two Dayanim, the Bryce recorded three, that's not a question. Why? So the Gemara says, the Chashiv Katani, the lo chashivla, lo katani. Because I will say again, Rabbi, who we just learned about in yesterday's naf, right? Rabbi, he included the Dayanim who he thought were chashiv. He didn't include the third Dayan who he felt was not chashiv. The Braissa, I will say, that's not a slight. That's not a slight. It's just our Mishnah, our Mishnah included only the ones who, who had a certain level of prominence. The Braissa, is a bit more expansive in its list. So therefore, again, the two versus three is not a kasha. 
I, what about the Elixeros Axelos Kasha? We'll say, what do you do about the fact that our Mishnah used Lushen of Gzeros? Gzeros. The Bryce used Lushen of Gzeros, to which the Gimar Sarm of Nachamar Yitzchak, Shayu Gozin Gzeros Al Gzeros. Ah, it's not a contradiction, I will say. It's the same thing. What did they make decrees about? They made decrees about Gzeros. In other words, this particular Beisdin in question, the Beisdin of Admon, Hanan ben Avishalom. And according to the Bible, there was a third guy, there was a third person, Hanan Hamitsri, right? What did this Beisdin specialize in? Gzeros. What type of Gzeros? Gzeros. So we're going to see, by the way, that Gezel in this context doesn't just simply mean like Ruvain steals from Shimon. It also means damages. It also means damages. For example, the Gemara says, Kidisayin is written in the Bible says an interesting case. Let's say my animal walks into someone's field, right? My animal walks into Ruben's field, and my animal goes ahead and, and eats a sapling. So how do you assess damages for a sapling? Because unlike a regular tree, right, which is a mature tree, you could go ahead and figure out, you know, what's the yield of the tree. Every, but a sapling hasn't yet done anything. So how do you, how do you assess the damages of a sapling? So the most Yossi Omer, so I'll say, here it is. Rabbi Yossi quotes the Gozrei Gzeros Birushalayim. So Rabbi Yossi himself is quoting these Rabbanim. Right? Remember again, like the Raisa told us, it was Hanan ben Abishalom, Admon ben Gidai, and Hanan Amitzri. Now, granted, only Admon and Hanan ben Abishalom were quoted. Right? The other, Hanan Amitzri was not quoted in the mission. Okay. But now, Rabbi Yossi says, the Gozrei Gzeros in Yushalayim, they paskind. If the animal eats a sapling that's one year old, it's two kasef. Two years, it's four kasef. Good. Here's what we've done. It's, by the way, five minutes in, ten minutes in, it's already been a very, very fulfilling day. Watch this. Remember again, we started out the Mishnah, we quoted two questions. Question number one is our Mishnah quotes two Dayanim, right? The Brisa quoted three Dayanim. Not a problem. The Mishnah quoted the two most prominent of the three. Fine. Our Mishnah said Gzeros. The Bryce said Gzelos. Also not a problem. How do you reconcile it? There goes Gzeros dealing with Gzelos. This was a Beisdin, which again specialized, specialized in damages and theft. Okay, beautiful. Or Minhi, Meriz Gasha, Shlosha Dayonic Gzeros, Hayubiru Shalayim. Both say there are three Dayonic Gzeros, right? Three Dayonim. In Yerushalayim, we specialized in Gezeros, and now we understand Gezeros means Gezeros. Who were they? Admon, the Hanan, the Nachum. Okay, so I will say, so now we, we have another problem. What's the other problem? See, the Brisa also quoted three, but the Brisa's three was Admon, Hanan, and Hanan. There's Hanan HaMitzri and Hanan Ben Avishalom. Now, this Brisa is quoting Admon, Hanan, and Nachum. Nachum. So I will say, now we have a new Dayan. No, no, no. Who, who quotes? Who's quoting over here? Nochum? That's Rabbi Nason. The Sanyo, Rabbi Nason, Omer, Af Nochum Hamadi mi Gozrei Hagzero Shibirushalayim. Even Nochum Hamadi, he was amongst, he was amongst those who were one of the Dayanim, who was Gozrei Hagzeros in Yerushalayim. But the Chachamim ultimately, again, did not agree with him. 
Okay, so therefore, this sometimes a machlokis, a historical machlokis. Ultimately, again, what was Nachum one of the Gozer Xeros? Was he not one of the Gozer Xeros? So we'll say, again, I want to point out, this is a historical machlokis. Good. The Sulaka. So we'll say, here's what's interesting. When you read the Mishnah and you read the, and read the Brisa, right, the two Brises now, it makes it sound like how many Dayanim were there in Yerushalayim, right? Three. Three, right? Maybe four. Maybe four, right? Because again, everybody's agreeing on Admon, Hanan ben Avishalom, Hanan Amitsri. And then there seems to be a historical machlokas about this man, Nachum Hamadi. So the Gemara says, is that it? Is that it? That, that's, that's all the words you will say. Listen to this beautiful b'raisa. Get ready for this. There are 394 batei din in Yerushalayim. 394. Kinegdon, Bate Kinesios. There are three, corresponding to them, another 394 shuls in Yerushalayim. Ukinegdon, Bate Midrashos. And I will say, corresponding to them, 394 Bate Medrash in Yerushalayim. So Jerry's here with us on, online over here. Baksh, I'm looking at the Chorva Shul in the back. I think I see the Chorva, right? One of the Bate Knesset. So also, by the way, I'll point out, you want to think, talk about like the resurgence of Eretz Yisrael. These numbers are not so far off. There's probably more than this. Probably more than this in contemporary Yerushalayim. I'll say it just gives you, it just gives you a feel. I'll just point something else interesting. Rashi says, Bate Knesset, are lehispalel to Davin, but they midrashos lemishnah ule Talmud. So also remember again in Gemara, there's a base hakneses that's used for davening and a base hamedrash that's used for learning. I will say I will just point out one of the unique privileges that we have in our shul in, in shuls today is that these two these two functions have been combined into one space, endowing the space with a heightened level of sanctity. So the fact that here, we'll say in this, in this very, in this very base medrash, base knesses, tefillah happens here, learning happens here, endows the space with such overwhelming kedusha. So the point of both the Gemara is, okinegdan, bate sofrim. So let's listen to this. And 394 yeshivas, 394 schools. Rashi says, limo tinokos, right? Schools for young children. So we'll say the point over here is what? The point over here is what? There were a lot of Dayanim, right? 394 Bate Din. I will say, by the way, I'm sorry, I didn't even tell you the kunz of it. Rashi says, Bate Din shall esrim vishlosha, the type of Bate Din of 23 judge, 23 judges in a base. In other words, these were these weren't like not talking about like 394 like Hataras Nedarim Bate Din. Right? I will say these these were 394 established Bate Din with 23 judges. So the Gemara says. There are tons of judges in Yerushalayim. So why, why do you make it sound like there are three, maybe four Dayanim? To which the Gemara says, yes, yes, yes. You're right. Dayanim Tuvahavu. What's that first wide line? There were many Dayanim. Dichi Kaminon, Agozrek Zeros Kaminon. Well, it's a pretty predictable answer. So the Gemara says, of course, there were many Dayanim. We're talking about, again, Abosai, like the upper echelon, right? Like the Supreme Court, right? We're talking about over here the highest level of Dayanim, those who are specifically focused on these gzeros, i.e. gzelos. Incredible. Amrav Yehud Amrav, Amrav Asi, Kozri Gzero Shavishlaim, Hayu Notlin Schar Tishimitesha, Mana Mitshuma Salishka. So we'll say, interesting halacha. The Gozri Gzeros, the Dayanim 
who were focused on dealing with Gezel. And again, I will say, by the way, you understand, like I said before, Gezel doesn't just simply mean theft. Gezel means damages. So the Dayonim who were focused on damages in Yerushalayim, they took, they, 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 where did they get paid from? They took Tishim Shemona. So the, the, the salary for the Yerushalayim judiciary, for these type of Dayonim, for these type of the Gozek Zeros, was, take, was 99 mana, and it was taken from the Trumas Halishka. Let's remember again, Trumas Halishka is the temple treasury. Temple treasury. So they were paid from communal funds. Low rots, Mosif in the There was a very strange phrase. What it sounds like is, if they refused the salary, we'd add on more money. Then I will say, what that sounds like is, if when it came time for pay, they said, no, 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 it's not enough for me. We'd add on more money. To which the rest is what? Atubirishi Askinan. I don't know. That doesn't exactly sound right for Dayonim who are supposed to represent a certain level of piety. Ella losapku afapishalorotsu mosifanale. And we'll say what it means is like this. This was the salary. This was the salary. But Alochalamaisa, if let's say again the temple administrator saw that for a particular Dayon, this salary allocation was not enough. They would add on to his salary even if he didn't want it, right? The point over here was the community was taking care of its dayonim. And even though there was a basic allocation per dayon, if a particular dayon needed more, they would make sure that he had more. Incredible. I will say, get ready for this. Karna was a dayon. was a dayon. See, he did something interesting. Shakil istaria, istira, mizakai, vistira, mechayev. So I will say, at the, at Vidan Ludina. So I will say, what he would do is, when you came to Karna's Beisdin, everybody had to pay a fee. Now, the way it's phrased over here is, the guilty party and the innocent party would pay the fee. Then I will say, Bepashtos, they paid the fee up front. Right? But what it means is, when two people walk into Beisdin, pretty much, right? Even if you're not a betting man, right? What can you assume? What can you assume? Someone's walking in guilty, someone's walking in. We'll say, I want to point out, this is very different than, let's say, Bezin as we have it set up today. Because Bezin as we have it set it up today is more as the concept of Pshara. More the idea of trying to reach compromise, right? And ultimately, Bezin operates really as an arbitration body. They're talking about, over here, a Bezin that would adjudicate a case. Someone's going to be guilty, someone's going to be innocent. So the point over here is when you shut up the Karna's Bezin, there was a fee. There was a fee. And both parties paid the fee. To which the Gemara says, How is Karna able to take money from the litigants? The Pasek says, You can't take a bribe. And isn't taking money from the litigants. Isn't taking money from the litigants. Ultimately, again, a form of a bribe. To which the Gemara says, Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's only a bribe when you only take it from one of them. But if you take money from both parties, which is what Karna was doing, that's not a problem. To which the Gemara says, "Dilma asi lisaluyedina." I'm sorry. Vechitema hanimi lehecha delo shachem etabayu. Dilma asi latzuleidina. So I'll say maybe at the end of the day, the problem only is halacha lemais. If you're only taking it from one of the one of the litigants, Karna keva de shachem etabayu lo asi latzuleidina. But Karna, since he's taking money from both litigants, he's not going to slant judgment in favor of one. To which the Gemara says, Even if, I will say, you're taking money from both people, so there's not a concern that you're going to slant the judgment in one way. Are you allowed to take, are you still allowed to take money? Vatanya, we learned. 
We'll say a judge is not permitted to take a bribe. Mat Hamud Lomar. This is fascinating. So when the Torah says that a judge can't take a bribe, why not? If it's telling me you can't take a bribe because we're concerned that if you take money from a litigant, you're going to end up exonerating the guilty and ultimately again and condemning the innocent, right? If that's the concern, there's already a biblical prohibition against that. Torah already says, Lo sata mishpat, do not slant justice. So therefore, again, means don't even take money to judge correctly. Don't even take money to judge correctly. In other words, the idea of a judge receiving money Ultimately, again, even to judge correctly, sounds like even for both parties is problematic. To which the Gemara says, So we'll say, this is true if you're taking the money as a bribe. Karna bitoras igra havashakil. But listen to this. Karna wasn't taking it as a bribe. What was he taking it as? A wage. A wage. The Gemara says, one second. So I'll say ultimately again, so is accepting money, is judge accepting money as a wage permitted? We learn, listen to this. We'll say if a judge receives a salary, receives a salary. Now, what this means is salary from the litigants. Salary from the litigants, his judgments are void. That's true when you're getting a wage for adjudicating a case. Karna agar betela hava shakil. So we'll say, this is incredible. And by the way, this is a more involved conversation. One of the conversations we'll have to come back to at some point. There's the concept, we'll say, in general, of people who are involved in melech hasakodesh. Right? People who are involved in the needs of the Jewish community. So it's always an interesting shalit with receiving a, a payment for that. Payment for teaching Torah, payment for learning Torah, payment for going ahead and, and being a judge. So we'll say, there's a concept of schar batala. Shabbatala means like this. If a person wouldn't be working in some role of Jewish communal service, they could be doing something else and they could be earning a salary. They could be earning a salary. So essentially, by going ahead and providing for the needs of the community, they're missing out on that earning, on that earning potential. And therefore, we view their salary as kind of like a makeup for lost wages, called schar batala. So when Karna is taking money, Karna's taking money, he's not taking it as a wage. He's not, that's not his salary for being a judge. And it's certainly not a bribe. Rather, it represents what? Lost wages. Because in the moment that he's adjudicating the case, Lamaisi could be doing something else. To which the Gemara says, Agar batala, mishari, but is that mutter? What time we learned? Mechur hadai shenot ladun, ela shedino din. It is a disgusting thing if a judge takes a salary to judge a case, but even if he did it, but if he did so, his judgments still stand. So, hey, what's the case? So, we'll say, if we're talking about somebody who's getting literally a salary for being a judge, we've already established that if you get paid a salary for being a judge, your judgments do, are, are, are void. What must it represent? It must represent a judge who's getting what we call if I, wait, if I wouldn't be a judge, I could be uh, something else, right? And therefore, I'd be getting paid for that. 
Now I'm doing a service to the community. I'm the judge. And therefore, again, I'm getting essentially what is, what is effectively lost wages. But again, the, Bryce, the Mishnah still says, it's not nice. It's not appropriate. Tzvish Gemara says, here we go. Hanimili, Hanimili, betela delo muchacha. So we'll say, this is true when, quote unquote, the lost wages is not apparent. Karna betela de muchacha hava shakil. Davitai ba'ambira de chamra. Say, this is fascinating. Karna had a very unique skill set. What was his unique skill set? He was a wine smeller. There must be a different term for this, right? I'm going to do this in retirement. Right? He's a wine smeller, right? What does it mean? People would hire him. The wine merchants would hire him to, to sniff a barrel. And he would be able to tell how close it was to turning. Right? Because this way he would tell the merchants, you got to sell this now. So I will say, that's a skill set. That's a skill set. And they would pay him, they would pay him well for this skill set. Make us those for this. So I will say, and everyone knew he had this skill set. So therefore they knew that when Karna was sitting in Bezdin, he wasn't smelling wine. I will say, can you imagine poor Karna, right? He probably had cases that he's listening to. He's like, I could be smelling wine right now, right? Instead of sitting with these schmendricks, right? So I'll say, so, so again, so because he had this profession, he had this profession, people understood that when he was sitting in Bezdin, he was losing out wages. So because of that, the payment he received was considered to be compensation for lost wages and therefore was permitted. Another example of this, whenever of Huna, right, whenever a case would come before of Huna, Ravuna would say, Ravuna would say, hire for me, right? Hire for me a guy who's going to go ahead and water my field so I could come and adjudicate this case, which is another way of saying, I'm happy to take on these responsibilities, but someone has to help me pay for my workers to be able to go ahead and do the work that I otherwise would have done. So I will say, again, this is a bit more of an involved sugya, but at least you get the idea over here, how chazal, and th this idea, this idea of a reticence, you like think to yourself like, why do chazal begrudge the dayan from getting a salary? And the answer is, they don't. Being a dayan is an incredibly difficult and important job. We're going to see the concern over here at Bosai is money and judgment. That combination is a very scary judgment because as we're going to get into right now, we have to be concerned for the possibility of chas shalom of bribery and or the appearance of bribery. And once that happens, it throws the entire legitimacy of din into question. So that's like Chazal trying to figure, we have to pay the judges, but how do you pay the judges? So again, if the judges are getting paid from the communal funds, which is the ideal, that's perfect. That's perfect. Or now we see this other model where as long as people know that the Dayun could have been doing something else, and now when he sits in Bezdin, he's giving up time that he could have been earning money elsewhere, like Karna charged each of the parties, okay, everyone knew Karna had a skill set. Ravuna had fields that he had to work. So if that becomes clear to the litigants and then they're charged money for the service of the Bezdin, that does not tread on any potential, you know, shochad, a bribery issue, because everyone knows this what's called schar batala. Beautiful. Beautiful, I got it. See how much or see how dangerous bribery is. That when a person receives a bribe, how it, a dangerous, how it blinds your eyes. Was, listen to this mashal. This is incredible. Adam chash So we'll say if a person 
has an ailment. Now, literally, it's talking about an eye ailment. So what happens? No sin mamon the rofe, suffix misrape, suffix eno misrape, they don't lynch, all right, it's fine. Suppose a person has an ailment, person has an ailment, he says an eye ailment, you see for just a moment why. Person has an eye ailment, so he goes to the doctor. What does he do to the doctor? He pays the doctor. They will say, does the payment guarantee healing? No, right? So you go to the doctor, you wait for the appointment, you get the appointment, you pay good money, maybe you'll be healed, maybe you won't be healed. Listen to this. Vehain, yet a dayan who takes a pruta, notlin shavim pruta, umesamin enehem. Yet Rabosai, all a dayan needs to do is take one pruta, and suddenly their eyes are blinded to true judgment. Justice, I should say. Tzibosai, what the Gemara is picking up over here is as follows. The Torah doesn't say, don't take a bribe because it may blind your ability to judge correctly. The Torah makes a definitive statement. The moment you take a bribe, you're blind. It's not a maybe. It's not a maybe. That, that's the distinction. I have a problem with my eyes. I go to the doctor. I pay the money. Maybe I'm healed. Maybe I'm not healed. Yeah, one pruta to a judge, by definition, I'm blinded. I'm blinded. The entire judgment is skewed. Let's listen to this. Because ultimately, again, the shokha, the bribe, will blind the eyes of the wise. All the more so to those who are foolish. The Salif Tivrei Tzadikim, and it'll pervert the words of Tzadikim, Kavachomer the Rishayim, to which the Gemara says, Midei Tipshim Rishayim, B'nei Dina Ninu, why are you bringing up again Tipshim, foolish people, Rishayim? Are they judges? This is incredible. What does one mean to say? What does it mean if the judge takes a bribe? Judge takes a bribe, and the bribe will blind the eyes of the wise. Afilu chacham gadol, velokeach shochad. Even if a judge is exceptionally wise, but he takes a bribe, he will not leave this world without his heart being closed off. The idea being, a bribe affects everyone. I just want to point out what is, what is driving this discussion deep down. And this is really incredible to think about how easily influenced and swayed we are. It's such an incredible, incredible thing. We like to think, we like to think that we have clarity of vision, and sometimes we do, but those moments of clarity could so easily be shaken by just the smallest influence here, the smallest influence there. And that's the power of bribery. See, even someone who's the greatest chacham who has the clarity, by definition, I will say, and the Musar Haskell is, you cannot escape the impact that the influences around you have on you. We, we always speak about this. We like to think that I could exist in a vacuum, right? I could put myself in negative circumstances and or compromise circumstances and not be impacted. I could be surrounded by people of, of compromised character and not be impacted. Because we like to think that we're strong enough to be able to withstand the temptations that are all around us. That is true to a degree. But even if you're able to withstand temptations, I will say, being in a negative atmosphere, being surrounded by the wrong people, it has an effect on me. Whether I, do, whether I act on it or not is something else, but Lamaisen has an impact. That's the Musra Haskell over here. You could have a dying who's the greatest Ham Tracham. The moment you take that pruta, the moment you take it, whether you realize you're, you're compromised. You say, but I'm not. I, I, I stopped. 
you lost your clarity. You lost your website. That is it's so, I just want to point out, you know, we're going into a new year and so much of success in life is not about what you do, but the circumstances in which you allow yourself to be placed. So much of life is about you're controlling your atmosphere. Who am I with? Where am I? What do I allow myself to be exposed to? What do I see? What do I read? What are all, all of this stuff? Because all of it just has this dramatic impact. Greatest Talmud Chacham. Greatest Talmud Chacham. Someone said to me, Pruta. And people say, what can you buy with a Pruta? Right? What can you possibly even do with a Pruta? It doesn't matter. The moment that there's a negative influence is the moment that by definition, at least to a certain degree, I am compromised. Incredible. The Salat base. What does it mean again? That ultimately, again, it perverts the words, right? Of the tzaddik. tzaddik Even if a person is a tzaddik gummer complete, well, say not just a tzaddik, but a tzaddik gummer and takes a bribe, he loses his clarity. say, isn't this absolutely incredible? The power of a shokha, the power of bribery, is that you lose your clarity. You lose your clarity. They will say, right, don't, don't but I want to point out, you know, we give ourselves, we bribe ourselves all the time also, right? We can, we love to convince ourselves of certain things. So I bribe myself. I bribe myself with this mindset. I bribe myself with that mindset. The power of bribery, even a tzaddik gummer, even a has tear of das. The moment you take the bribe is the moment you lose your clarity. So incredible. Ki asur avdimi amar darsha nacham bar koin, mai dichsev melech pamishpat yamid aretz, veish trumos yarsenu, We'll say, what's the meaning of the Pasik? Right? Melech Pamishpat, a king who, 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 who lives in judge, judgment or justice, Yamidars, will uphold the earth. The Ish Trumos. Ish Trumos, bless you, literally means a man of gifts, Yarsena, will destroy it. What does this mean? If ultimately, again, the Dayan, if the judge is like a king, then I will say, what's unique about a king? It's unique about a king. A king needs nothing, at least material, right? So if the Dayan makes himself like a king who needs nothing material, he'll be able to uphold the world through his judgments. Conversely, but if he makes himself like a Kohen, being a Kohen is an incredible thing. What's the, what's the complicated part of being a Kohen? You are fundamentally dependent on others. Right? Fundamentally dependent on others. You're going granary to granary to collect your truma. So that if the Dayan makes himself like a, like a Kohen who is dependent on others, Yaharsena, he'll destroy the world. Because since, again, literally, again, he lacks this independence, he lacks this independence, there's a fundamental concern regarding, regarding I should say, there's, there, there's the concern for a lack of clarity in his judgment. I'll point out, by the way, this, you also begin to understand why certain positions in Am Yisrael have to come with wealth. For example, the king has to be wealthy. The king has to be wealthy. The Kohen Gadol has to be wealthy. We learned this in Masechus Yuma, has to be wealthy. There are certain positions because we need these people to just be above any type of monetary sway, they have to be wealthy. And if they're not naturally wealthy, we make them wealthy, okay? Am Rabbi Rav Shila, Haidaina Deshal Sheelta, Pasol of Meidandina. This is wild. Let's say if a Dayan borrows stuff from other people, he is not fit to judge. You hear this? So the Dayan, he, he borrows, he borrows Ruven's lawnmower, right? He borrows a cup of sugar, he borrows this. 
If you borrow stuff from people, you're not allowed to judge. It will say, and what's the logic of it? Again, when you borrow something from someone and they lend it to you, you have a certain goodwill towards that individual. There is a concern, bless you, there's a concern that even that goodwill could compromise the authenticity of his rulings. However, we'll say this is only assuming that the Dayan doesn't have stuff to lend back in return. In other words, if it's one-way borrowing, he borrows from people, but he doesn't lend out anything, that's where there's the concern that goodwill could, 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 could kind of negatively impact the judgment. But if it happens to be that he has neighbors and he borrows stuff, he lends stuff, there's like a back and forth, then that's not a problem. Ini, is that so? So we'll get ready for this. But yet Rava used to borrow stuff from the house of Barmerion. But they never borrowed anything back from him. And he was permitted to judge. Yeah, there it was different. There, the fact that Rava borrowed them gave the family a certain level of chashivos. So therefore, there was like a quid pro quo because Rava was getting the object, they were getting the chashivos. So essentially, what I'm saying is, as long as there's a quid pro quo, we're not worried about slanting the judgment. When it's a one-sided borrowing, that's where we're concerned about slanting the judgment. So we'll say, here we go. Amir Rava, incredible. My time in the shokda. <coughs> What's the reason, ultimately, again, why accepting a bribe? Right, ultimately, again, Rashi's Maitan Shokta, Lama Asra Litlo, Lizako Sasazakai. Sibo say, what's wrong with accepting money to do the right thing? Right, in other words, what's, what is the problem here? The Gemara says, Kevan de Kabale Shokta, Mine, Ekravele Daitilagabe, Bahavika Guver. Bose, the Gemara saying is like this Imagine Ruven and Shemin walk into, walk into Beisdin, right? I'm the Dayan, and Ruven says, You know what, one of them, and Ruven says, Listen, Here's $1,000. I don't want you to find it in my favor. I just, it's a shkoyach for doing the right thing in the eyes of halacha. It's beautiful. It's beautiful, right? It's fantastic. So what's wrong with that? So we'll say, we know what's wrong with it, but the Gemara articulates it in such a beautiful way. Once you accept the shokhad, what happens? So when Ruvain gives me that money, I feel a sense of closer connection to Ruvain. Ruven becomes like an extension of me. And I've always said the same way most of us don't see faults in ourselves, we also don't see faults in people who we like. Right? So I've always said, this is such an incredible Yisrael in general. So like, number one, once again, the Gemara reinforcing how easily susceptible we are to external influences. And this is so important. Someone comes in and gives me some money, suddenly again, there's like a connection that's established. We're so susceptible to external influences. Not only that, but lesson number two, lesson number two is how difficult it is for us to see our own shortcomings. How different, most of us can easily pick out the shortcomings, the difficulties, the deficiencies in another, but in ourselves, it's much more difficult. And when we like people, and I will say, number two, what often makes us like people? What makes, or number three, actually, what makes us like people? When they do stuff for us, right? When someone does something for you, and understandably so, it creates a sense of connection, and that connection sometimes makes it difficult for me to see something negative in that individual. Therefore, even to receive money to do the right thing is going to be problematic. The Gemara says, my shochad, by the way, what is the meaning of the word shochad? And this is incredible. So, so we translate it as bribe. 
The Gemara says, etymologically, what's the meaning of the word shochad? Shehu chad. It makes, it makes the judge and the litigant into one. So, right, incredible. Shochad. Shehu chad. Right? Makes them ultimately, again, into one. Incredible. So, I'm not Papa. Lo leidun inesh dina leman dirachim lei, velo leman dirachim lei. You must see, you shouldn't be a judge. You shouldn't be a judge to someone, ultimately, again, who, who you have compassion on. Or someone ultimately again, who, somebody who you like, or someone who you dislike. So the Gemara says, listen to this. Because someone who you like a lot, you're not going to find anything negative in them. And to someone who to someone who you dislike, you're not going to find something favorable, right? So again, the Gemara just says you have to, you have to kind of go ahead and find. so see, anyone whom you have extreme feelings towards, either of like or dislike. Do not stand in judgment of them. Incredible. This is incredible. Listen to this. If the townspeople like him a lot, so the Gemara says, This is incredible. It's not because he's a really good guy. It's because he doesn't rebuke them. Right, Sirah so said, which is an important thing, if someone has a position of communal leadership and he's liked by everyone, chances are he's not doing his job. Right, if you're liked by everyone, that means if you're not ruffling any feathers, that means you're not really doing anything. Right, so therefore, again, the Gemara says, Tam Tchalam is liked by everyone, probably because he never rebukes them regarding spiritual matters. I'm going to say, by the way, there's a corollary to this. The Chassam Sofer brings down, quoting this Gemara, he says, any, he was talking to a group of Rabbanim, he says, any Rav who is liked by everyone is not doing his job, but any Rav who is liked by no one is not a mensch. They'll say, so this, this interesting, this interesting middle ground. Okay, first wide line, Amar Rava, Rava says as follows, Meresh hava amina, hani kulo rachmali. So listen to this. Rava says, in the beginning, I used to think all of the people of Mechuza liked me a lot. They liked me a lot. Kevan David Dayana, once I became a Dayan, I quickly realized some of them like me, some of them hate me. But then, once they began to see that I judge correctly, and you know, even someone who's guilty today will be innocent tomorrow. In other words, that when, when I ruled against them, it was never anything personal. So they got to know me a little bit more. I established a judicial track record. And again, everyone began to see that what I did, what I did, I did, I, I did as a Dayan. So I began to, as well said, this is incredible. I began to, Amina, Imrachim Kulu Rachmuli, Imisanu Kulu Sanali. So we'll say, literally translated what this means is, if some of them like me, they'll all like me. If some of them hate me, they'll all hate me. Now, what, what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. It's actually quite amazing. Rashi says over here, so we'll say, this is actually quite profound. Ravel was saying like this, according to the Mara show, what Ravel was saying was like this. I began to realize that when people like me or dislike me, it has nothing to do with me, but it has everything to do with what's going on in their life. And as we'll say, what does this mean? And probably one of the most important lessons in communal leadership, which is sometimes people get angry, sometimes people get upset, sometimes people get bragis. And especially, it's easy to think that as a leader, that, oh, I must have done something. I must have done something. Sometimes it's because a leader has done something. And sometimes it's just because people have other stuff going on in their life. 
and leadership often becomes a convenient lightning rod for people's disgruntled kite, right? Whatever it is, whatever, whatever problem they're having in life, right? Whoever, whoever the person is, is often the soft target that they can often misdirect all of their life aggression. This is not a therapy session, I'm just saying. Right? I, I, I often misdirect all, I, all of their life aggression towards. So it's pretty incredible. So Rava has, Rava has this, Rava has like this epiphany, right? At first, everybody liked me. Yeah, you know what? Everybody liked him. You know what Rava was doing? He was a color guy. Right? He was sitting in the basement of Everyone likes the guy in the basement of He's fun. He's by the coffee site. He's, he's drinking coffee. He's learning Torah. He's talking. Is this? Everybody likes him. He's fantastic. Then he became a Dayan. What happened? Suddenly, everyone hates him. Then what happened? He went ahead and he established a judicial track record. And people realized, okay, guy's just doing his job. And then I realized that more often than not, the people who don't like me, it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with them. Such an incredible Gimara boss. That's Kavaita. Turn up on on. Don't take a shochad. So the Gimara says, listen to this. This is incredible. It goes without saying that you can't take a bribe of money. But I will say, we're going to see there's another form of bribery that's not money, even words. Even words. If the Torah wanted to only warn me against taking monetary bribery, you could use the word betza, right? Or botza. So shochalosikach means even verbal bribery. So what's shochad dvarim? Well, listen to this. crossing a bridge. A man extended his hand. A man extended his hand to Shmuel to help him cross the bridge. Shmuel said, tell me, Essentially, what I say, means, what are you doing? I will say, this is something fascinating. <laughs> it's going to sound a little bit sobering, but it's important to say. When people do, most times when people do good things, it's not altruistic. When people do good things, there's generally an angle. And there's generally a motivation. Now, that doesn't take away from the good. The good is good. The good is good. But Shmuel's like, why are you giving me your hand? Why, why are you helping me across the bridge? So what happens? So the Gemara says, Amrlei, Dina Isle. That's <laughs> Oshmoel. Funny chest, you know, I happen to be coming to your base din tomorrow, right? Amrlei, Pasun Lachaladina. He says, okay, well, thank you for telling me. I have to recuse myself from here. So I'll say, we'll have to stop over here for today. I just want to point out tomorrow's daf, even better than today, right? Incredible, incredible Gemara ahead of us. But I will say about this notion, this notion of Shochad being more than just words, and we are supposed to be continued. Shkoyach.